So good morning, everybody. My name's Adam. I'm the lead communicator here at Downtown Harbor Church. If you've been around Downtown Harbor Church for any length of time, you know that the announcements are normally given by a guy named John in the back of the room, and they're normally extremely bad. But today, God, just thanks be to the glory for you for providing Christina to do the announcements so they are no longer as brutal as they normally are. But anyway, we're excited about that, and today we're our, we are in week seven of Revolutionary. And Revolutionary is this message series that we've been in for eight weeks. It's the longest one that we've ever done because we have been spending time thinking about and talking about and working through this message that Jesus gave called the Sermon on the Mount. This message that was given on the northwest shore of the Sea of Galilee. This, this sea that was there. And Jesus gave this message, this radical message that could only be described because it was so different and so unique. It could only be described as this word revolutionary. And Jesus was the guy who gave this message. Jesus who predicted his own death and resurrection. And we believe that he is who he said that he was. And so furthermore, one of the things that we've kind of committed to do throughout this entire message series was kind of go back and look at where we've been and look at the things that we've talked about that he said. And we were talking this week about that. And it's kind of like the song, The 12 Days of Christmas. We do it over and over just to be able to kind of revisit it. But here's the deal. You know the 12 days of Christmas, most of us do. It's like the partridge in a pear tree, right? Kind of sticks in your head. So we're going to review. Week one, we looked at these things called beatitudes or these supreme blessings that God said, hey, if you want the supreme, Jesus said, if you want the supreme blessing of God in your life, then your life should be focused on humility and investing in other people, and that's really how you'll be blessed. And then we looked at what Jesus said about these two things called salt and light. And he said, if you're a follower of mine and you go out into the, earth, the world, the world needs you. It's essential that you be there, that you are the salt of the earth and you are the light to a world. And then we kind of did a smorgasbord on week three and we talked about murder, adultery, and eye for an eye. And Jesus hit all these topics. He said, murder is like anger. Anger is like murder. That's how powerful it is. And adultery, if you've experienced that, or you know anybody who has, how painful that is to your life and to other people. And then he said, eye for an eye, no, 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 no longer. If someone wrongs you, can you take revenge on them? This is all about sacrifice and laying your life down. Then we talked about loving our enemies, which was a brutal week, right? Because who wants to love people who have wronged you? But Jesus said, do it. Go and lay yourself down for those who would do wrong to you. And then we talked about prayer and what Jesus said about it. Because for so long, Christians have kind of claimed prayer as this thing that only the holy can do. Or if you're high up in a denomination of a church, only you can talk to God. And Jesus said, no, no, no. Anyone can communicate with their creator, this supreme being who is bigger than we could ever grasp or imagine. And then we talked last week about money and possessions. And about how every one of us have these and how we manage them is so careful, right? And how money is not bad, but the love of money can absolutely rip us from our core as people. So we don't want to love money. It's okay, it's good, but you can't fall in love with it. And then it takes us to today. So one of the things we pride ourselves on at DHC is being extremely transparent and extremely vulnerable, all of us who are here together. And I will tell you that I've been giving messages up here on and off for the better part of a year. Christina said it, we're about to celebrate one year as a church and a community, which is so cool. And never has there been a day that I did not want to give a message. Throughout every day that I've been up here, I could not wait to come on the stage and give a message until today. Because I was going through this this week, and I kind of picked it apart and did it multiple times, and I was like, this is the first message that I have not wanted to stand up on the stage and give. Because what I'm talking about today is something that I struggle with immensely. And it's something that has hindered things in my life from time to time. 
And so for someone who struggles with it to come up and talk about it, it just didn't seem right. But I'm going to do it. And sometimes when I talk today, I feel like I'm talking to myself and that God is talking directly to me. Because today's message, as we continue with the Sermon on the Mount, is about worry. It's about worry. And those of you who know me on an intimate and kind of personal level know that this is something throughout my history that I've just dealt with. And it's something that has kind of impacted my life. And maybe you've dealt with it. Because see, worry, kind of we worry about everything, don't we? Whether it's little things or big things or it's, you know, who we'll be with, who we'll marry, what kind of car we'll drive, where we'll end up in life, what our future holds, who will take care of us when we're older, will we have kids, will we not? There's all these things that are related to worry that we deal with, all of us do. And for me, it's just been an impactful emotion on my life. But the cool thing is, is that Jesus had a lot to say about worry. And that's why it was so important for us to kind of gather around and look at what he had to say. But, you know, I started to think about the definition of worry a little bit. And I started to think about how culture looks at worry today. And it's so interesting to think about worry today and look at what the definition of worry is today. Because a lot of people just slough off worry. They go, ah, yeah, I worry about that. That's no big deal. I worry about that. But so I went back. And I looked at the historical definitions of worry from hundreds and thousands of years ago. And here's the first one. I want to put it up so we can kind of take a journey down memory lane. Here's the first one. It's why gran, or I can't even say it. Like I'm a real, I was an English major and I can't pronounce these words, right? But this is the word, this is the word that thousands of years ago was used to describe worry. And this was the definition. To strangle. To absolutely strangle. Then... The word kind of transformed and morphed, and sure enough, worrying became the word. And this was a definition after the strangle. It went even further. To grasp by throat with teeth and do what? Lacerate. To grasp by throat with teeth and lacerate. This is how serious ancient scholars described the word worry. This is how serious it was. It would actually grasp you by the throat and lacerate. We don't think about it that way really anymore. And then it went on. In the 16th century, worry to harass or assault. Bad, but not as bad as to strangle and to lacerate. And then it continually went on. And in the 17th century, it said, oh, it's just a bother now. Worry. It went from this lacerating strangle. It's just a bother. It's just a harass. It's just a bother. It's really not that big of a deal. Everybody worries. Slough it off. Everybody worries. It's just a bother. And then it went on. It said 19th century. It even went to just feel troubled, right? uneasy. It's no big deal. Worrying is just this thing that you do. Everybody does it. Don't worry. You don't have to worry, but if you do, it's just the trouble. Not a big deal. It went all the way from a lacerating strangle to just a troubled or uneasy feeling. And then I looked up what is the current kind of Webster's definition of worry. And here it is. To give way to anxiety or unease. It's just unease, right? It's okay. It's just unease. Allow one's mind to dwell on difficulty or troubles. Because a long time ago, those scholars and theologians and thinkers who defined the word worry for the first time knew how devastating it was to each one of our lives. It actually is a lacerating strangle in our lives, those of us who deal with it. And see, there's people who deal with it on a small level like I described, and then there's people who really, really deal with worry. But I will tell you this. Worrying about things in the future that you can't control will do some things to your life. 
Worrying about things in the future that you can't control will do some things to your life. And I started to think about, okay, even in my journey with worry or anybody's journey with worry, what does it do to your mind? What does it actually do to your thoughts and your life? And I come up with a, just a couple of things. And the first one is this. It will consume you. When you worry, it will consume your mind and thoughts. It does, because you are letting yourself dwell on things that you can't control most of the time in your own future or related to own things, the, own thing, the things that you deal with in your own life. They will consume you. They will manipulate. Worry will manipulate your mind and thoughts. In fact, worry will allow you to believe things that are true that actually aren't true. Worry will take you to a place where you actually might believe something that isn't true, but worry has kind of crept into your life. And then lastly, worry will do this. It actually could destroy. Not only does it destroy your thoughts, but it could destroy your actual life. Whether it's your relationship or marriage or your family or your finances, Whatever aspect you deal with related to worry, worry can actually destroy. That can destroy your happiness. It can destroy your emotions. Worrying about things in the future is so bad. It's so brutal. And those of us who've dealt with it, and if you haven't dealt with worry at an intense level, you've probably dealt with it at least at some level in your life. This is what it does to your life. This is how bad it is. This is why we shouldn't do it. It consumes. It manipulates. And it actually can destroy. But the good news is, Jesus had a lot to say about worry. Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, kind of went line by line, and he discussed this thing called worry and how we should address it. So if you have a scripture, you can open it to Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. If you don't, that's okay. It will always be on our screens, or you can look at it on any mobile phone or device. This is what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount about worry. So powerful. Don't miss this. Tune in. So therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Okay, thank you, Jesus, for immediately clearing that up, right? Those of us who deal with it. Do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink, or about your body, or what you will wear. And then he does something which is so important. It's so interesting for us to look at what he does next, because he always spoke into the culture of the time, and he generally brought things back to the earth, God's own creation, this amazing planet that we will never even be able to fully understand, but he brings it back to nature. And look at what he says next. He said, look at the birds of the air. He's going, aren't they a creation too? Look at them. Go ahead. If you, next time you see one, look. Look at a bird. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And he goes, so important. Aren't you not much more valuable than they? Jesus said, he goes, wait a second. Yes, that God created all things, but human beings are special. These people that you are, that we associate with, they're different, they're special. Aren't you more valuable to God than a bird? Aren't you more valuable than him? Aren't you more valuable? And then he says something else. He says something that he challenges the people of the time with and challenges us with today. He said this, can any one of you, by worrying, Add a single hour to your life. Will worrying about the future add anything to your life? Will worrying about things, some things that you can't even control, will it add any hours, time, minutes, days, weeks to your life? And the answer is no. Let me tell you why I believe 
at the core of everything, why Jesus talked about worry. I believe he talked about everything in the Sermon on the Mount because of this reason, because he knew we would deal with it. But Jesus talked about this because he knew in some miraculous way that we would all be struggling with worry someday. That every one of us at some level would deal with worry. That every one of us would have some type of struggle, small, big, somewhere in between. All of us would have some type of struggle with worry. Now, let me hit the pause button for a second because I want to make a point. For some of us in the room, and it's each individual in their own circumstance, for some of us, worry is uncontrollable or we think that it's uncontrollable. Worry is this thing that we're like, we cannot control. It's an epidemic in our life. We cannot get our minds around it. It just doesn't work for us. It's a daily struggle. How do we get out of it? Well, I will tell you this. A lot of times, if you were there, just like I've been there before in my life, if you are there so often, people will tell you, hey, just don't worry. It's okay. Don't worry. When you tell a worrier to don't worry, what do you think that they do? Worry. So for some of us, we feel like it's uncontrollable. And for some of us, it's about managing your worry, not making it go away. Because a lot of us in our life are going to have moments of worry. We're going to have that. I'm going to tell you about a story after I get through this next scripture where it's just natural for us to worry. But sometimes it's just about managing it and not making it go away. My wife, right, she is not a worrier. I said, do you ever worry about anything? She goes, mm-mm. I said, really? I'm like, I want that. How do I get that? Like, I'm dying to have that. She just doesn't worry. For me, and maybe some of you, it's about managing our worry, not just making it go away. But Jesus goes on, and he goes on even further to talk more about worry. He said enough, right? But he goes on to talk more because that's how important it was. He says, and why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? Again, relating it to the earth, relating it to nature, relating it to things that people of the time would have understood. See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. And then he goes, yet I tell you that not even Solomon, and if you don't know who Solomon is, he's a guy in the ancient scripture who was a king, was said to be the wisest man that ever lived, was very beautifully dressed and had all kinds of splendor around him and was just magn a magnificent man. And Jesus said, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these flowers that he's describing. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, meaning the things that you see or the things that you look at, they're not going to be here someday. All of this is going to be gone. But he said, will he not much more clothe you? Then he says, oh, you of little faith. Then he goes on to say, so do not worry saying, what shall I eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? He said, for the pagans run after all these things. When he describes pagans, he means people who aren't even like you, people who are different than you. He said, for the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. He said, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, and this is the whole point, this is it, this is so important. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. But there's a problem with what he says. Because there's always a problem. Because Jesus is always pulling us towards something. He's pulling us towards something different. Because all this generally makes sense. Yeah. Who wouldn't want to not worry? Who wants to deal with that? Who wants to struggle with that? 
But there's a problem, because there's always a problem. The problem is this. It is in our human nature to worry. In any circumstance, it's in our human nature to worry. Two years ago, I was traveling Fort Lauderdale to Atlanta. Those of you who know me know that Delta Airlines is my airline, right? I was on Delta, that beauty bird, um, Fort Lauderdale, Atlanta. Pilot comes on and says, hey, we are about to enter some thunderstorms. Might get a little bumpy. We enter into the thunderstorms. Probably about four or five minutes later, we get struck by lightning. I mean, a huge boom in the cabin filled with light. Plane goes sideways. Drinks spill everywhere. Flight attendants strap themselves in. And I look at the guy next to me and I said, well, this could be it. Because what do you, I mean, I mean, who does that? Like, right, and I'm going, and here in that situation, um, I said, are you worried? He didn't even look at me. He was like, I mean, he thought we were going down. And I thought we were going down. That's the problem is it's in our human nature to worry. And I'm going, I hope that Wi-Fi didn't go out. I'd like to text my wife before I, you know, plummet into Jacksonville or wherever I was, right? It's in our human nature to worry. Who wouldn't be worried in that? I mean, like, if you're ever on a plane and get struck by lightning, just, you're going to be okay. Like, it's going to be, like, I didn't know that, but, like, just take it from me. You're going to be fine. It'll be good. Engine didn't short out. We just made it to Atlanta. And you know what the bad part was? Nobody had ever met. They didn't even mention it. Nobody came over the PA and was like, well, folks, that was bad. No, they just got up and started serving drinks again. I'm like, this must be normal, right? It's blown away. But here, it's our human nature to worry. Who wouldn't worry in that moment? But... This is the point. Jesus calls us to do the exact opposite of our human instinct. That's, that's where the problem comes in. Because we're human beings with emotions and feelings, but Jesus said, no, no, no. He said, do this instead. Don't worry, even though it's natural to worry. Jesus calls us to do the exact opposite Throughout this message series, if you look at it, and you look at every single week, there's a recurring theme, and the theme is, is that Jesus calls us to do the exact opposite of our human instinct. That's why it's all rooted in love, because it's not our human instinct. Jesus said, no, 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 you've been, it's not about law and all that anymore. Do this instead. It's the exact opposite of our human instinct. So, think for a minute about any circumstance, small or big that you have going on in your life. Because the truth is, every single person in this room, every single person who came to the first service, we all have things going on in our life. It might be big, it might be small, it's different for every one of us, which is so cool and why we're in this together. But think about worry and the things in your life that you worry about. Think about worry and the day-to-day -day operational things that you think about. Maybe you're middle-aged and you're facing kind of what's next for you. Maybe you're young and newly married and you're trying to figure out what's next for you. Maybe you're in a relationship and you don't know what's next. Think about, think about worry and how much you worry about it. And then look at these three words again. Because it consumes you when you worry. It absolutely consumes your minds and thoughts. It does. And I know that because it's happened to me. It absolutely consumes your mind when you focus on and dwell on worry. And then it manipulates. Worry manipulates things that aren't true into things that are true. And you start to lose hope. And you start to not think positively about things anymore. 
because you're consumed with worry. And you're consumed with things that aren't even necessarily true. It manipulates you. It consumes you. And then, so often in some of our lives, it started to do this. It started to destroy. Not only our thoughts, but the physical things on this earth that we can't replace. People we care about, our friends, family, happiness. It starts to destroy when we focus on worry. Now, Allow me to make a couple of points here. Just, are you saying, Adam, I'm going to ask myself some questions like you might ask me questions. Are you saying that I don't need to worry about anything and that I should just go do whatever I want, charge it up, like get the American Express out and just ring up the bill, right? Is that what you're saying, that I shouldn't even worry about those things? I shouldn't worry about my family? I, don't miss this. This is not an excuse for you to go and live a reckless lifestyle. It's not responsibility is so important to each one of our physical lives here on earth. I believe that to the core of my being. But here's what I want you to know. Worry does not negate responsibility. It doesn't make this not something that we should focus on. We should be responsible. We should go out and make sure our financial houses are in order. We should make sure our families are in order. We should do that. Just not worrying about it doesn't negate the responsibility. So nobody leave here today and go, I'm not worrying, doing whatever I want, going to Bora Bora tomorrow, can't afford it, right? That's not what I'm saying. Don't do that, okay? Worry does not negate responsibility. But let's get personal. When you look at the three words that I put up, what worry does, consume, manipulate, and then destroy, do you know what that does? It actually takes away from your life. When you live there and you focus there, it takes away from your life. It takes away from the very things that you could be participating in. It takes away from the very people that you could love. It takes away from your life. And here's what I want you to know. Is that in any circumstance where I've dealt with worry, it has not added one single hour to my life. Not one minute. It is only, only taken away from my life. And for me, it's a struggle. Maybe for you, it's a struggle. But I will tell you this. The moments that I've missed out on because of worry, I would do anything in my human power to get them back. And I can't. Because it's all about time. And it's all about the moments you have here with people, people you love, your family and your friends. And worrying, you know what worrying does? It takes away from that. Worrying will only take away from your life. Don't miss the last part. It never, ever adds to it, ever. It's destructive. It's horrible if you deal with it. And I believe I really believe at the end of the day that God who gave his message through Jesus wants every person in this room to have an amazing life. This is not a have the best life you can message. That's not, that's not what anything is about. But I believe God loves his creation and wants you to have the best life that you can. And do you know what takes away from it? You know what makes things really hard and difficult? You know what makes things almost unlivable? 
worry. And it takes away from your life. So if worrying will only take away from your life and it never adds to it, what can we do collectively to get better? Because some of you are very kind of loose with worry. It doesn't happen in your life a lot, but some of you are crippled with it. It's an epidemic. So how can all of us at Downtown Harbor Church collectively take a step in the right direction, wherever that is, to make sure that we listen to and understand the words of Jesus so that we, based on our past, based on our history, based on the crap we've all gone through, how can we make sure to take steps in the right direction so that we don't struggle with this? And the cool thing about what happens here is that I'm asking myself the same question that I ask you. And one day at a time, we're trying to put one foot in front of the other to get it done. Let me pray for us. Dear God, I thank you for who you are and what you say about worry. And I pray for myself and I pray for every person in this room that you would guide us and direct us and keep us so that we could not struggle with this to the level that we do. It's human nature, and you call us to the exact opposite of it. And so I pray that you would help us do it. If you tell us this is what we should do, then God, surround us with your grace and your mercy and your peace to give us the ability to do it. And we collectively, as a, just an awesome community of people who want to be better, who want to follow after you, say, with everything that we do, that we love you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.